This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning. Welcome into the Action Line. We are broadcasting this morning from the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Willowwindow.pro. Looking out our window this morning, it is beautiful outside. Sunny and 50 degrees. Just a perfect morning. Got to get even better as the day goes on. We're going to be talking about uh, your safety and fires and things of that sort and what the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue does to make that all happen. It doesn't just happen. Chief Mark Folks is with us this morning. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing great. You brought a friend with you today. I did. I brought Assistant Chief Brian Lowe with us. Um, Chief Lowe is um, is over our training division. As as we're as you're aware, but a lot of people probably aren't. We're we're kind of organized into four major divisions within the department. We have our our training division, our emergency medical services division, our community risk reduction division, which is our fire marshal's office as well, and uh, our operations division, which kind of manages all of our on shift personnel and things like that. And Chief Lowe is over our uh, training division. He's he's been in that role for a couple of years now and is doing a fantastic job uh, over that division and. Uh, Thought today would be a good day to kind of talk about some of the training that our personnel have and how we do some of that training and and, and different things like that with Chief Lowe. Well, it's good to have you with us this morning, Chief Lowe. And uh, you have a great place to teach over at the Doug Young facility there, and it's going to get even better from what I understand. Good morning, Bart. Thank you for having Yes, uh, right there at the corner of Bridge in New Salem, our Doug Young public safety training facility. Uh, yes, right now it's uh, we have our uh, our outdoor classroom or pavilion uh, with facilities, uh, but we have several buildings to uh, train in there that we share with uh, PD and obviously our tower uh, that people drive by every day, the five-story tower where we can uh, perform uh, all kinds of scenarios or set up all kinds of scenarios with our firefighters. Now, does that tower actually burn inside or what? We do have several rooms in that tower that are rated to uh, burn. Now, we don't actually burn on the floor or the walls. We have, uh, uh, I guess, pots or barrels in there that we would set uh, small fires in to create that uh, realistic environment. Now, uh, this is not new for Murfreesboro Fire to, to do this type of thing. I can remember many, many, many years ago, a fire station probably less than a half mile away from that location sort of in the back of the old uh, Tennessee technology place that uh, you all used is it still there no sir it's it, the uh, that's the old state fire school and oh, okay. so it, okay. that was where firefighters from all over the state came to train and uh, you know if I were a good golfer I might could hit a golf ball from where <laughs> Doug Young Public Safety <laughs> Training Facility is but uh, over there too where the old training center used to be but uh, I would hit it anywhere but toward that direction if I tried to try to hit the golf ball. But the uh, 
the state fire school used to be there and Murfreesboro was able to use that facility quite a bit while while that uh, state fire school there was there but years ago um, there was a facility built um, by the state and the Tennessee Fire and Codes Academy was constructed down in Deason and, and so Deason Bell Buckle area is, is where the state fire academy now is it's on a huge um, area down there that's a very very nice facility and uh, we're proud of the state and everything that they they do at that at that facility um, but they kind of moved out of Murfreesboro when they did that and there's really not a lot left of that training facility there and that that kind of um, really sought the need years ago for Murfreesboro to have its own training facility um, for public safety both for us and police and to be able to do the things that we need to do to be able to keep our firefighters and our police officers um, our paramedics and EMTs fully in line with what we need to be doing every day and, and get that realistic training going on and and um, you know there was there was a while that that was being discussed of, of putting it kind of in North Murfreesboro out near the Jordan farm and and some of those things that property that the city owned and and when I came to work here in 2015 we were kind of in limbo with the location of the training facility and at that same time we had been offered by the Murfreesboro Housing Authority because Franklin Heights was sim, you know really in the midst of being shut down as far as a, as a housing facility um, for people to live in and so they were moving people out of there sequentially and they were allowing us to train in some of those buildings and so while we were over there training in one in some of those buildings um, our deputy chief Roger Toombs kind of came up with the idea of you know when it, it'd be nice if we could buy this place we could still use some of these buildings and convert the rest of the facility and I said you know we could hopefully make that a possibility and so through a lot of work um, with uh, the housing authority and um, their kindness to us and, and ability to, to buy that property from them at a very, a very good price for us and, and get that facility turned and do a lot of the demolition of those buildings but keep some of them for us to use for training uh, has resulted in just a world-class facility over there. We have a 300 by 300 driving pad uh, to where we drive apparatus. They're, they're rated for all of our trucks. Um, the police cars use those for you know their defensive driving or you know their pursuit driving we use them uh, for our firefighters to teach them driving and to test our our firefighters you know for driver's promotional test and things like that it has a canine training facility where it's got a fenced in lot it's got a lot of drills that the canine officers bring their their dogs in to to get trained on and it's a certified course uh, as far as a canine facility goes so they're, they're able to bring their dogs in and and do certification tests there and in fact just a few weeks ago we had um, police departments from all over the United States had their dogs in getting their dogs certified in that facility uh, there at that canine facility and, and likewise just a couple of weeks ago we actually had all the arson dogs from the good half of about half of the United States in to get certified in arson detection in those buildings that we have over there so it's 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 for primarily for Murfreesboro Police and Murfreesboro Fire, but we have a lot of other agencies that utilize that facility, from some of our other partners within the county, to the FBI, TBI, um, ATF, um, all kinds of different agencies come in and use that facility a lot. I think a lot of people in the community don't realize how fortunate we are because, <coughs> you know, whether it's uh, a canine or whether it's an officer, fire officer, police officer. Uh, paramedic any of those persons if you have skills if you don't practice them and use them over and over again those skills sort of weaken and and you have ongoing training at this new great facility here that's correct they are you know any firefighter skill is a perishable skill and so uh, every day they're out there making critical decisions on the street so we have to keep up
uh, with our skills. So, yeah. How much training do you do? I mean, does a firefighter, are they required to get so many hours a year or what? Absolutely. Uh, the training staff and myself, uh, which is made up of a training coordinator, uh, three shift training officers. Uh, so there's a, uh, there's uh, five of us who sit down in the fall of the year and we uh, develop the training schedule for the, the following year or the next year. And um, we uh, base that schedule off of state mandates. Uh, 40 hours of in-service pay. That's where we start with that to uh, get the mandated training on the schedule. Uh, then some training that we see that we might need or have seen some issues in in the previous year where, we hey, we need to work on this. Uh, but then once we get that built out, we uh, obviously we're an ISO 1. So part of that ISO 1, a component of that is training. And, uh, and there's some training in there that we have to hit, some standards uh, as far as officer training, driver training, uh, and using the facility, actually having uh, boots on the ground at that facility. Each each person in the department has to have 18 hours over there. So uh, when we get all that together, we come up with a training schedule for the for the next year. Uh, so and then there's also training uh, that comes along for our officers. Like we have next week, we have uh, a group coming in to uh, train our our officers, uh, captains, and above uh, some leadership management style so obviously it's not just the training on the uh you know responding to house fires that's not uh, the only thing we like to focus on we like to focus on uh, uh actually uh our, our leadership skills as well for our officers so what a great service for the community mark as you look at the uh, facility there at the doug young public safety training facility that i know in your dreams is going to be the future fire department headquarters also how close are you getting to that well, I think within the next couple of years, we should be able to start, um, you know, construction. We've got a con concept plan already done now uh, and kind of looking at the next phase, which would be getting the design plans done on that building. Um, and that would be uh, that would be kind of a shared building. It would be our administrative offices. So we would move from over here next to City Hall, um, right here on Broad Street, over to uh, the Doug Young Public Safety Training Facility. So pretty much the entire first level. Uh, would be office space for our uh, administrative staff and um, the great thing about that is it would allow pretty much all of our administrative staff including our community risk reduction division to come back together uh, and they've kind of we've kind of outgrown the space that we're in over here on broad street and so our community risk reduction division is now actually officing temporarily out of the old jones boulevard station which was old station four uh, which is our logistics building. So we've that's where we have a lot of our equipment that we distribute out to our firefighters. Uh, if we have something break, we've got spare equipment there to, to put back on the fire trucks. We've got spare turnout gear. We've got, you know, new things that arrive, whether it's uniforms or turnout gear, uh, goes to that facility. So, um, but our our community risk reduction division has we've we've got seven employees that are also in that building, which is very tight for them over there as well. And so, getting all of them into a space uh, to where we can have all everyone under the same roof and the administrative components there is going to be substantial for us to get there. Uh, additionally, the upstairs component will be a lot of classroom space, and that's both for us and the police department to utilize. But it's also you know other agencies within our community could utilize it. Other departments within the city will be able to utilize it um, you know for just about anything from community meetings to training sessions to to whatever we would need to use it for uh, city-wise with departments or other staff uh, that we could have that there and that's a great component for us because um, you know right now we kind of we've got a very limited amount of, of classroom space at our building over here on Broad Street 
uh, but we utilize some of the other city facilities and, and all the directors uh, within the other divisions of our of our city, whether it's Parks and Recreation or the airport, uh, the police department, you know, uh, human resources and administration. All of them have been very kind to us as far as being able to get facilities that we can utilize for training. And so we use a lot of different facilities right now to, to have classroom space, and that's Patterson Park, um, some of the classroom spaces over there, uh, the Main Street training facility we have over here on Main Street next to the, the fuel pumps. We've got a classroom building there. Uh, the police department has some classroom space that we utilize, the airport's new facility. Uh, we've utilized that several times, and we'll be utilizing that in the, in, um, the week after next for our officer training. And things like that so it's it's really right now we're we're kind of all over the place with training and and we even do our emt training at the old bradley academy uh, over there and then we get that training done over there uh, for the emt class and so uh, everybody's very been very kind and gracious to us on providing that but we would love to have that classroom space to where we can we can have all that there under under the one roof and have all of our administrative staff under one roof as well. As we look ahead, we see the forecast of the whole county reaching 500, 600,000 population uh, within the very near future. And we also imagine that would bring Murfreesboro up to around 200 to 250, 300,000 at the same time. Will these changes enable you to serve that size population or do we need more facilities yeah if we get the getting that administrative facility built and and doing that and, and whenever we plan for anything um, station four over a medical center is designed to be there for 60 years uh, and so station 11 that we just built is designed to be a 60 you know 50 to 70 year fire station we design those to where they're going to last uh, and just like when we go into planning uh, we're constantly planning for growth uh, we kind of have it laid out where our new stations will go over the next several years uh, anticipating growth around our community um, and we also have that anticipated growth built into this building of what we would have there and what our needs are uh, for the fire department of the future, uh, which would, you know, we always try to look out 20 to 25 years in advance and say, what do we foresee the needs of the department being uh, this far down the road? Because, uh, and with growth that we've had, that becomes a challenge because, you know, you're constantly... Uh, that growth has happened a lot quicker than we at first thought it would and so you know you're, you're having to kind of move a little bit faster than you at first anticipated but we've really tried to stay ahead of that curve and try to make sure that we're anticipating all that and doing everything that we need to be doing for the community to provide that to provide that service and that's why you know station 11 got built we staff we have now staffed station 10 several years ago that's operating out of Federer's Parkway and you know the next station will be going off of Joby Jackson Parkway or on Joby Jackson Parkway to serve that area of our our community and so we're really just consistently planning to make sure that we're prepared uh, for the growth of the community and what's going to be coming down the road. Has that station begun yet as far as construction goes? It hasn't begun yet it, we're hoping like within the next I think it's in the 2022-23 um, CIP and so that'll be next year's CIP that station should be coming under but we're we're actually planning for it right now with some conceptual drawings and looking at the property that we have and, and sizing that station to make that fit and, and where what our needs are for the future. You mentioned having some classroom space at the airport of course that's the Middle Tennessee State University classroom space huge really high-tech classroom uh, a lot of people are interested in the airport with the growth of it the new terminal building uh, and things of that sort i guess this brings about and we have a text here from a listener who's asking about the fire department's involvement in the airport 
especially since you have a fire station, I think just about a half block or so, just next door almost. Uh, can those fire trucks get to the runways quickly? And also, does it what, what special training does it take to extinguish an airplane fire as opposed to a home fire? Yeah, well, we do we do specialized training on on aircraft emergencies from time to time. Mainly, most of that is getting either the hydraulic lines shut off or making sure that we stem the flow of hydraulic fluid, or dealing with the fuel leaks that occur because pretty much every plane that's out there has fuel in their wings. So when they get damaged, you're going to have a fuel leak, and so. We really don't treat those a whole lot different than we would treat a fuel spill uh, that occurs on the highway or the interstate because that fuel is actually not as um, it's not as dangerous as far as flammability goes as you would see with some of the uh, vehicles that are on the road with regular gasoline. But you know, and that's for most all of the aircraft that was that fly into and out of our airport. And so we're very well prepared at the airport. Uh, we have a lot of uh, resources there at Station Six. Um, we work with our Fire Marshal's Office Community Risk Reduction for new facilities at the airport for needs of those. Um, all of the, a lot of the hangars out there are required to have foam. Um, we've got foam that we utilize within the department, you know, um, to manage those type of fires if we have those. And, and the biggest thing that those present to us is there's just a whole lot more fuel on those aircraft than there would be in a passenger car that we would normally have to deal with if we have a motor vehicle accident and we have a fuel leak. You know, even a tractor trailer, you're talking about the, about the same size amount of fuel that you would have with those. So we're, we're addressing that with the foam systems that we have in place out there uh, within those hangars. And, and we're capable, fully capable of addressing that either on the runways or the other areas around the airport. We have another text here from a listener. This one is asking about with the change of so many vehicles to battery operation instead of gasoline, they hear about the battery fires. Does that present a different challenge for you? Yes, and we do a lot of training um, with vehicle extrication, both extrication and with vehicle fires when it comes to, to hybrid vehicles and completely electric vehicles. Um, thankfully, those those vehicles are manufactured very safely, and so you just really don't hear a lot about just having a, a fire uh, that's just caused by a faulty or malfunctioning battery. And so, but when they're involved in a crash, it involves a whole lot of a different component just because of the materials that are in those batteries present a whole lot more, um, they're corrosive and they're a lot more toxic than you would have, you know, just out of a regular car engine per se, uh, from just regular oil that would be leaking from a car engine. So our firefighters are very, are trained very well on those components. We have a, a lot of avenues in place to deal with those, but uh, the biggest thing, the biggest hazard with those, and we stay concerned about that, not just on vehicle fires, but for our firefighters safety is dealing with the electrical component of those. You know, there's, we don't, you know, we don't want one of our firefighters or anybody in the public getting electrocuted by situations and circumstances that those happens. And so, you know, a lot of times it takes a lot longer to get those batteries quenched or shut down completely to where they're not powering systems within the vehicle than it does a normal car because those batteries, we can disconnect them pretty quick and the power's off to the car these they feed so much you know electricity to it it takes a little bit longer and we even have some battery systems that are in place within the components like you kind of have different batteries within your watch um, or within computers and stuff like that you've got internal batteries that kind of keep things alive if your battery goes completely dead to where you don't lose every bit of your memory it's the same thing in those vehicles they've got computers in them that have smaller batteries that would keep things charged up uh, that we have to be cognizant of 
We're talking about your fire safety this morning, especially the fire safety of those living and working here in the heart of Tennessee. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks is with us, along with Chief Brian Lowe, who's in charge of the training division. We will be back and continue the conversations. And again, if you have questions, you can text them to us or you can call in and talk to us. Love both of those. And the same number works for both. 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. WGNS talks about all things local. It's Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We specialize in every instrument that the local musician needs at prices comparable or better than online prices. We do guitar repairs and setups, lessons for every instrument from strings to keyboards to drums. We are your local music store. You need to come see us. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. Spent 20 years in the U.S. Army, spent time in the uh, Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, and retired in 2004. U.S. Army veteran Ron Leonard. I saw a lot of stuff, been 10 years first in the Navy, so I saw it from a Navy side, and then I spent the National Guard my last 10 years. But we did see a lot off the coast of Iraq during Desert Storm 1, and yeah, we did see a lot. You made the switch. Well, my record was good, and I laid out a year, and then uh, back in the 90s, joining the National Guard was a lot of fun because, you you know, you just did your two weeks, and after 9-11, as we know, those things changed. Kind of sure. tell us what you do now. We came in contact with a group called Canines for Christ, and it's uh, training your dog to comfort uh, wounded warriors and those that suffer with PTSD. So we started training our dog, Molly, and Molly now is a therapy dog to our wounded warriors and folks that have PTSD, and we're also working with local local law enforcement helping victims of crime. For those who are not familiar with post-traumatic stress, tell us a little bit about that and what some of these veterans are suffering from sure. when they come back. Sure. PTSD was uh, something that has been prevalent since almost the beginning of time, but it was not diagnosed until the 1980s. But it's actually a person that comes back and they have flashbacks. They withdraw from people. It's considered from one to four, which four is suicidal. And over 30% of our troops will be dealing with ongoing PTSD when they come back. The WGNS salute to veterans with Army veterans. Ron Leonard.
Morning traffic still moving here on 24 and through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. Tons of radar out here up and down I-24. Give yourself plenty of extra travel time throughout the day. Hey, Ripley's Aquarium Sleep of the Sharks coming up June 11th. Log on now, Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. A blend of clouds and sunshine develops this afternoon, a high around 70 degrees. Winds out of the northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 44. Turn your fingers into a microphone and talk back. WGNSRadio.com is Rutherford County's online source for what matters to you. WGNSRadio.com. Hey, we're broadcasting this morning from the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window, making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Check it out online at willowwindow.pro. Willowwindow.pro. Proud to have them with us this morning. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. And our good neighbor of the day today is Sherry Rambo. Sherry Rambo, always being a willing and helping friend. Sherry Rambo is going to be receiving flowers from Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts over on South Academy Street. Sherry Rambo, our good neighbor of the day today. And our birthday winner who gets that delicious homemade banana pudding from the Slick Pig is Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown. Happy birthday to you, Jerry. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're talking about your safety this morning. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Fuchs is with us, along with Chief Brian Lowe, who's in charge of the training division at the fire department. And one of the things that uh, is always interesting People are wanting new jobs, and if they have a desire to get into the firefighting, uh, EMS business, uh, helping other people, what type of training requirements are there? Uh, do you do the training here, or do you have to go out of town somewhere? And uh, how much time does it take? Yeah, we we hire two different. We hire we kind of hire two different tracks. We we hire certified firefighters some. Um, that are already have training maybe from other departments or worked in other locations and we've hired literally people from all over the United States to come here and work that have firefighter experience Um, but likewise we also hire people that have absolutely no firefighting experience whatsoever and and what we require there is a minimum of a high school education uh, and you know the basically you have to have a driver's license you have to have high school education but beyond that um, you know, we can do all the training that you need um, within our department to get you to where you need to get to to learn all the skills necessary to be um, a firefighter, and an EMT, a para- and going on to paramedic school beyond that. So we, we kind of do all those components, and I'm very proud to say that this past, um, we just completed a few weeks ago, our first ever in-house full recruit training program. Um, normally, we had sent people to uh, 
the Tennessee Fire and Codes Academy, but the demand for firefighters is so high um, that their classes are actually very full, and they have wait lists just about all the time for classes there at Tennessee Fire and Codes Academy. And so we, we had a situation to where we needed to hire more than what we were going to be able to get into the Tennessee Fire and Codes Academy, and so we hired a group of 13 that we put through the academy. Uh, one of those personnel washed out, so we wound up graduating 12, but I'm proud of Chief Lowe and Nicole Miller, our training coordinator, and all of our other training staff, our shift training officers, for the work that they did, as well as a lot of personnel within our department. We have a lot of instructors that work on trucks normally. Um, they're not full-time instructors, but they do a lot of instructional help for us, and when that component all came together. And and uh, so basically for 13 weeks, those those firefighters or those new hires went from being a person that's not had any experience whatsoever with firefighting for the most part to completely certified firefighters ready to ready to provide service to us uh, within that 13 weeks. And I'll let Chief Loth kind of talk about that program and kind of how it came together. Absolutely. Yeah, those uh, those 12, uh, they're already on trucks right now serving. There's probably some of them out there listening right now. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the new recruit program, uh, uh, you know, just to give you some contrast, when I went through the old Tennessee Fire School over there off of Old Ford, it was two weeks. Uh, so about five days of that was just book work, and then five days was uh, scenario-based uh, out on the training ground. Now it takes about uh, 10 weeks just to uh, deliver that uh, knowledge portion of that uh, or, or the basics that we want them to know before we can put them on a fire truck or before we're comfortable with them fighting fire. Uh, there's um, uh, We have about a week of hazmat mixed into that. So uh, in the past, it was just fire we would get our hazmat later. So now hazmat's mixed into that, that goes into their firefighter one certification. So as they come out of uh, this recruit class, they are uh, actually qualified to go challenge uh, their state certification uh, firefighter one. And and there's actually some burns in there too. I think after about 30 days, they can go on and challenge their firefighter two. But um, we, uh, Chief had mentioned the instructors. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a heavy burden on the training division, not only to to, uh, um, I guess, manage this class, but also manage the normal operations of the fire department. So we had to enlist the help of instructors in the department. We have uh, just our proximity to the state fire school. We have a lot of personnel that, that moonlight and train there, instruct other firefighters in the, in the state. So we took advantage of that, um, put out for volunteers, and we had an overwhelming response of instructors within our department who volunteered to uh, essentially teach a module or teach a day for me. Uh, and so we would install them in there while uh, while they were normally on duty. We would just detail them over to train. Uh, they and and we tried to do our best to pick who we thought were subject matter experts on that, whatever it be, forcible entry, just uh, you know, just the the basic firefighting t uh, tactics. And, and it worked out really well for us. Uh, we uh, come up with a good product and and put out. Uh, we're happy with the twelve. Uh, the performance of the 12 at the end, they all pass their uh, practicals, their hazmat practicals, and uh, they're all well on their way to getting their firefighter certification. So, We have a yeah. text here from Alyssa who says, uh, I'm interested in learning more about getting into your fire training program. What are the ages again? And what kind of a entry-level uh, salary do you get? And what could you expect after a few years when you start uh, growing your family? Right now, 18 years old uh, for fire recruit. Uh, as Chief said earlier, 18 years old, uh, driver's license, uh, uh, 
clean record and uh, you're eligible. Uh, now we typically uh, renew our fire recruit list uh, once a year. Uh, last year uh, we had some challenges with uh, COVID set in about the same time that we posted for fire recruit. Uh, so normally that's something we will finish up in about two months. So I think we posted maybe late February. We did not um, secure our list till late June, and we didn't hire off that list until January this year. So that list is still good, uh, but I would say we will uh, renew that list post for recruit firefighter uh, later this year, maybe in the fall, uh, once some things uh, settle down for us uh, so that we can prepare for a spring 22 or 2022 class um but i'm sorry could you repeat the Uh, one of the other questions was what kind of entry salary is there and uh once they get going and are there for a while as they grow their family what kind of salary can they expect yeah our typical entry level salary for a trainee uh, and it's different for a certified firefighter and a trainee a certified firefighter will start around forty thousand. a trainee will start in the mid-30s, but they quickly transition up to that higher level of firefighter upon retaining that certification and serving some time within the department. And so after you do that, you're typically getting pay raises just about annually, and there's other incentive um, things that you can do within the department, um, certifications that you achieve, uh, becoming a relief driver, and getting your advanced EMT, which is a requirement of the job. Uh, once you come into the department, we will train you to be an emergency medical technician an advanced emergency medical technician and all of those things come with incentive pay attached to those um, that get your pay up probably into the mid to high 40s uh, within a five-year time span. So you can uh, make a, a pretty good family living there? Yes. Okay, very good. And uh, they're also asking about some of the uh, insurance and things of that sort, the benefits. Yeah, Murfreesboro has very good benefits. They, uh, Our city council and administration um, really understand that the employees of the city are, are critical to making sure that the city operates the way we need to and we've got very good benefit uh, package as far as health insurance uh, you've got optional insurance for for dental and vision and some of those things like that that you can take or that you don't have to take um, but some of those uh, all of those components are very good annual time um, sick leave things like that are very very good and, and and I would tell anybody that's interested in that job or any of the jobs just go to the MurfreesboroTN.gov, the city's website, and if you're interested in being a firefighter, don't have any experience in being a firefighter, uh, just fill out a job interest card because when that recruit firefighter, if you put in there recruit firefighter, uh, when that job posts, you will get an email sent to you that states that that job is now posted so that you can go online and complete your application So you do this certain times throughout the year? Yeah, typically, uh, as Chief Lowe said, for recruit firefighter, we we take applications once a year. For certified firefighters, we are now taking applications all the time. So we'll consistently take applications in about every 90 days. We, we do entry-level testing or a testing component for those firefighters uh, to decide who we're going to hire. And uh, once that happens, you know, we, we select those firefighters. But typically, it's once a year we set a list, and that eligibility list will stay active for a year. So we can hire off of that. So the 13 that we hired the first of the year were hired off that list, and and we will hire the the next group that we hire in August will be hired off that list. Are these firefighters, are they becoming uh, sort of career firefighters in Murfreesboro? I mean, you go to a bigger city, and I'm guessing that their firefighters stay with them for a long period of time. Are, Are we at that point? 
yeah we've got we have we have a lot of opportunities for advancement and rank and so you know when you start out as a firefighter you're not just stuck in that job for the entire 25 or 30 year career you can advance into the next level after a firefighter you become a driver engineer which you drive the fire apparatus you operate the pump on the fire apparatus or the aerial ladders and those kind of things it's a very technical job uh, and has a lot of skills to it but we train people to get there and then we test for a competitive promotional process to test people and and get them ready for those roles uh, beyond that you go to an officer level which is you know you're still a firefighter at all these ranges you still do those operations but you still take on other components and the next step with that would be captain which is a company officer and that's the leader of that truck that's the person that's making the initial decisions on the scene of a call whether more resources are needed or the less resources are needed than we have coming and making all the decisions the critical decisions on the components on initial arrival whether it's a house fire or a motor vehicle accident or any kind of any kind of call that we'd be on a medical call even um, what other resources might we need what other things are going on here with, with what a company officer does and then beyond that you get into the the ranks of battalion chief assistant chief deputy chief um, into the command structure and, and as well as beyond that we also have other divisions so training division for a lot of people that are really interested in the training components of it uh, we have the emergency medical services division so paramedics that are interested in that there's some opportunities within that and then community risk reduction uh, for anybody that's interested in the public education component the codes enforcement arson investigations we have opportunities within those to to kind of move out of firefighting role and into other roles within the city and so we have a lot of employees that stay with us unfortunately we have some employees that that leave to go to other departments um, you know pay is typically the biggest reason that we lose people to other departments but you know we have a lot of people that have been here a very long time and uh, most people stay here and finish out their career uh, until retirement because there's a lot of great opportunities it's a great place to work um, Murfreesboro is a great place to live also and so it's a it's got a really high draw to people living and working in this community as Murfreesboro continues to grow we are now fourth or fifth and there's questions on that uh, as far as size of fire departments goes. Uh, how do we compare with the Nashville Fire Department, the Memphis, the Chattanooga, the Knoxville, those areas that may, do they have bigger fire departments or? What? Yeah, they've, they've got a little bit bigger, larger departments than we have uh, just because of the size of the city and, and you know, the amount of people living there is larger than what Murfreesboro has, but it's kind of relative to, to the actual size of your city and, and where you're at. Um, we are the fifth largest fire department in the state. Um, you have Nashville and Memphis who both really run pretty close together on the number of personnel. Um, both of those have over 1,100 people each uh, within their department. I'm not sure exact numbers, uh, but they've got over 1,000 employees within their departments. Um, Knoxville and Chattanooga run fairly close together. They're in the 300s. I think Knoxville has around 320 people, and I think Chattanooga has real close to 400 personnel within their department. And then we're real close to that behind them. We have around 240 people employed with Murfreesboro Fire Rescue, so we're the fifth. And Clarksville is really, really close to us within that component right behind us on the on the size of the department um, that we are. So we're very, very close with Clarksville and the number of people um, size-wise and comparable-wise uh, and component of around the state. Now, out of curiosity, when you mentioned the, the different fire departments and the number of employees, you mentioned Chattanooga was around 400, Knoxville was 320 or something like that. Knoxville's considerably larger 
than Chattanooga. In fact, there are, you know, different depending on whose information you look at, Murfreesboro and Rutherford County are larger than Chattanooga-Hamilton County. Uh, and yet, it sounds like, uh, have they overhired or, or what, what's the situation? Well, I think Chattanooga and Knoxville both are quite, and, and firefighting components weigh heavily in on how big your area of your city is because it's all about response time. You know, we talked about that on here before about right. our ability to get to your home within that critical time frame of either stopping a fire that's going on or stopping a heart attack or doing all those things. And so we locate our stations. We really attempt to locate our stations within about two and a half miles of every built up on structure. And then when we plan, that's what we're looking for because that keeps our response below that four minute mark uh, to where we can get apparatus there. But uh, on the comparison, you know, we're, we're getting fairly close in population to Knoxville. I think Knoxville's around 280,000, uh, but Knoxville's over 110 square miles, whereas Murfreesboro is around 60 square miles. And so just dictating on, you know, even though they've got right around the same population, their, their area of the city is a lot larger than ours, so they have to have more fire stations to cover that out. And I believe that same is true with Chattanooga. They're just a lot more spread out than Murfreesboro is, even though their population it's probably real similar to ours now. Um, it's it's just more spread out, and that requires the need for more personnel uh, to be on those apparatus and those trucks. Do either of those communities have an ISO rating of one? Uh, Chattanooga does. Chattanooga is a, an ISO one rated fire department, and I think Knoxville is an ISO two rated fire department. Um, Memphis is a class one fire department as well. Um, so Knoxville, so Memphis, Chattanooga, and us are all three uh, out of the big five or the top five in the state we're all three class one departments in knoxville and, and nashville are i think two and three um class nashville, two. nashville three i think not, i think nashville is either class two or class three i'm pretty sure all right tell you what let's do uh, boy we're proud of this fire department yeah. iso rating of one and uh, we'll be back and continue the conversation if you have a question if you have a comment give us a shout we have just a few minutes left chief mark fox is with us along with Chief Brian Lowe from the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Stay with us. This is Chip Walters, and you're listening to Rutherford County's Blue Raider Station. Yeah, we got them. MTSU Sports on WGNS AM, FM, online. Old friends, new name, better together as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your home lawn, garden, and farm needs. We have everything you need to help with your garden, lawns, farms, whatever you need for the perfect gift for your feathered friends and your furry friends. Please come see us. We have baby chicks. You don't have to be a member to shop with us. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. 
morning traffic still moving here on 24 and through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville. Tons of radar out here up and down I-24. Give yourself plenty of extra travel time throughout the day. Hey, Ripley's Aquarium, Sleep of the Sharks, coming up June 11th. Log on now, Ripley'sAquariumOfTheSmokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. A blend of clouds and sunshine develops this afternoon, a high around 70 degrees. Winds out of the northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 44. I'm Ken Coleman. Join me here on News Radio WGNS weekdays live at noon as we answer your questions about your calling, passion, and talent to maximize your potential. This is the final segment, so if you have a question or a comment, better hurry. And uh, I'd say just text it to us because we probably couldn't get to a phone call. 615-893-1450. From the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue, the chief of the department, Mark Folks, is with us. And the chief in charge of uh, training division, Brian Lowe, is here. Uh, we're learning all about uh, some exciting things. We're in the, uh, or pretty close to the accreditation period where... I guess we have to, we can't always just enjoy being an ISO one. We have to show them we're still good. <laughs> yeah, ISO constantly evaluates. And so we, we just received our rating this past year. Uh, in 2020, it actually took effect last October. And so ISO will be coming back and consistently doing that. But on a, it's kind of a different different avenue. There's a, there's a firm called the Center for Public Safety Excellence that does accreditation of public safety agencies across the well across the world and um, accreditation is a very intensive process and it looks at some of the things different from what the insurance service office looks at it looks at um, really performing risk assessments for your community and making sure that you're managing your risk it's a continuous improvement model so it's it's basically looking for you to continue to build on performance uh, your response times and how you're how you're providing services to the city, uh, but it kind of forces you to do a self evaluation of your department and and where you're at with it, being able to address the risks that are within your city. And so, it's a completely different thing from ISO one, um, and, and it's it's called the uh, Commission on Fire Accreditation International is the one that does it. There's a commission that decides whether you're worthy of accreditation as a department or not, and. Uh, that commission typically meets and you actually attend a hearing but in advance of that there's probably we've done about three years of work now three and a half years of work uh, getting to this point and now a peer review team will be coming into the city a week a week after next and that peer review team is members of departments from across the united states that the commission has a has picked to come in and be a peer evaluation team that will look at our department and say you know, there's, here's some of the things that you need to work on or here's some of the, the good things that you got going on, but here's some of the, you know, the things that we need to work on for more improvement within your department. And when that happens and they come in, they will make a recommendation to the commission on Fire Accreditation International of whether we uh, can achieve accreditation or not. And so we're very proud of our uh, the members of our department. Um, Chief Jernigan is uh, our operations chief, she's assistant chief over operations, has led the charge on getting that. She's our accreditation manager, and she's got a great team of about 14 or 15 people that have worked very diligently to to write all the documents necessary to to show what we're doing to assess risk and do all those things. And and uh, we're looking, we're very much so looking forward to getting accredited. Uh, accreditation is a, something that about seven departments across the state of Tennessee have. Um, 
a lot of it is very different from the ISO, you know, component because if we are accredited, we would be the only department in the state of Tennessee uh, or the first department in the state of Tennessee that would be in a class one ISO department and an internationally accredited fire department at the same time. And so, you know, none of the class ones that are within the state right now, which there's eight of those as well, are accredited. And so we would be the first accredited class one fire department in the state of Tennessee. And, um, you know, there's a lot of other great departments that are either class two or class three, typically that are accredited and they do a fantastic job. Um, but they are, they're not at that level of class one and accredited both. And so we're, we're very proud of our staff. We're very proud of our firefighters and, um, thankful that our city council has allowed us to achieve these high levels because it's, a it's something else to be uh, among the people of this department that have worked that hard to get us there. And it's a huge accomplishment to get there to that level of accreditation. If we were Tennessee's only ISO 1 and accredited internationally, what would that do for us? Well, the big thing it does for us, of course, uh, you know, it's just we're basically recognized as being the best among the best and, and uh, as far as fire rescue departments go. But the biggest thing, the ISO really helps with insurance rates within our community and keeping those insurance rates low. It helps with economic development because a lot of companies want to see those lower insurance rates there because they're building large facilities and large buildings in those communities. So it helps with those. Uh, it particularly helps with commercial insurance rates being that ISO one level. But the accreditation model is, like I said, it's a continuous, it's a model of continuous improvement that you're looking to do. And it really, really helps us make sure that we're assessing looking at the risk within our community and assessing that risk and it says yes you are meeting the risk that your community has whether that's uh, from natural disasters whether that's from fire causes that's medical calls all of those different components weigh into it but it just shows that we're meeting that risk to the best of our abilities and that we uh, have achieved that level of accreditation and if we do achieve that level of being iso one plus accredited when would we know that? Uh, we would probably go before the hearing would be July or August, sometime in that range, uh, that we would have our hearing before the commission. Uh, like I said, the peer review team is coming in week after next, and, and hopefully all of our components will be together, and we will be able to achieve that by July or August. Looking forward to that. I tell you, we are flat out of time. I apologize, Brian. We had some more things <laughs> yeah. to cover, but we got caught by the clock. Uh, Mark Fox and Brian Lowe visiting with us from Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Man, some exciting times ahead. Looking forward to you coming back. Thank Stay you with much. us. Thank you. Truman is next, right here on your good neighbor station, WGNS.